Hello again, my name is Anne-Marie Zanzel and welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. I am an ordained minister, bereavement counselor, conversationalist, spiritual wanderer, later in life lesbian, change maker, blogger, author, mom of four beautiful children, wife to my lovely wife, Tonda McKay, a northerner living in the South and trying to figure it all out. I share the stories of people who are coming out later in life to the LGBTQIA community and other queer stories. These stories are compelling, heartbreaking, joyful, and inspirational. I started this podcast because we need to normalize exploration and of sexuality and gender at all ages. Plus, visibility is vital to the queer community. It's never too late to be who we are created to be. My guest proved that. My guest today is Carla Mullins. Carla Mullins is an adjunct instructor, mental health therapist, mother, wife, extreme introvert, friend of cats, lifelong Pacific Northwesterner, and an increasingly fearless lesbian poet. Oh, I'm so excited to interview you. Welcome, Carla. Thank you so much for having me. So Carla and I met in a Facebook group. And so tell me your story, Carla. Okay, I will. I'm going to start pretty far back, like in my childhood, um, because I think there's some some important things there. Um, I was raised Southern Baptist. And so, um, you know, I absorbed very early on um, some uh, religious beliefs and ideas that um, in retrospect would have made it really hard for me to come out earlier in life. I can remember I can remember being in about third grade, being at church, sitting there on the wooden pew by my sister. And usually we just like wrote each other little notes and colored and things like that. But for some reason, something the um, pastor said caught my attention. And um, what he said was that homosexuality was a sin and thinking about it was just as bad as doing it. And I had no idea what the word homosexuality meant, but I knew I was thinking about it in that moment. And I got really scared and kind of panicky. And I remember thinking about that a lot um, over the next several days. And uh, and then I just kind of sat it aside. I had a, um, you know, I grew up in a, a small rural community in the Pacific Northwest. I I didn't know anybody who was gay growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I didn't even really understand, I think, to some degree what that meant. Um, but when I was uh, 14, uh, playing ninth grade basketball, I remember at a basketball game having this attraction to a girl on the other team and just kind of staring at her and then freaking out. And it sort of, it clicked in that moment for me, like, oh, I have these kinds of feelings for girls that my friends have for boys. And I had never had the feelings for boys. When when other girls would talk about their crushes on boys, I would play along. I would name a boy I had a crush on that I didn't really, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, given my upbringing, 
that that moment was terrifying and I just kind of put it away. Like I intentionally compartmentalized it away, wouldn't let myself think about it anymore and and went on to do the things that I thought that I was supposed to do, you know? Well, yeah, and it's directly related to what the pastor said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, even thinking about it and you were like, whoops, going to put it in the box up yep. here in my head, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that was like a strategy that I developed uh, really young. And, you know, to some degree as a coping strategy, I think it sort of saved me at the time as a child, as a young person, later on, not so much. Um, but it was, I, I think it was helpful at that time. So I, you know, I did the things I thought I was supposed to do. I, I dated boys. I went to college. Um, I got married at 23 years old um, to someone that I had started dating at, at 19. Um, you know, and I had the life that that looked like the picture in my head of what life was supposed to look like. Um, we had our children young. We had two sons together in our 20s. We bought a house. We worked on our careers. From the outside, it always looked kind of perfect to okay. other people. And um, and in a lot of ways, things were good. I felt very safe and secure. I felt like my life was progressing as it should. I could work in the field that I wanted to. I had lovely children. We took nice vacations. Um, but I always had this sense in me that something was off. Like I was always striving, um, trying different things. I changed jobs a lot. I went back to school a couple times and dropped out. Mm -hmm. I struggled with relationships, like having close friendships. It was hard for me to let people know me in any fashion. And I would think sometimes about, um, you know, that, that attraction moment and realization I had at 14, but I really thought or convinced myself that it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter that I was attracted to women. I had decided not to act on it. I was married. I had kids. This was my life and it was fine. And that was something that I told myself over and over through the years. It's fine. It's okay. Everything's as it should be. And, uh, that worked sometimes and it didn't work at other times. You know, I, I struggled with depression and anxiety a lot, particularly when my kids were young. I can remember I, I was 27 coming up on my 28th birthday. And I was having this thought that like by my next birthday, I need to like figure things out. And I didn't know, even really know what that meant at that time. Um, I just felt like, okay, I've got another year to get it together somehow, whatever that means. And, and I didn't, you know, I, I went on kind of living the life that I thought that I was supposed to, um, our marriage was difficult at times. Um, we struggled badly with communication. Um, there was, there was just a lot of ebb and flow to it. Uh, we had really different hobbies and were pretty independent from each other. I was very job focused. Um, for most of, you know, my adult life, I didn't have one job. I had two or three. Like mm -hmm. work was my escape. It was a huge part of my identity. And, uh, and I just would put away those pieces of myself that might lead to like 
cracking the door on the fact that I was a lesbian. <laughs> so I had always enjoyed like writing like short stories and poetry. And I put that away. Like I didn't write. Um, I think it felt scary. You know, I think there was fear about what might, might emerge in my writing. Um, and I struggled to, um, you know, with alcoholism, um, I was pretty high functioning alcoholic, uh, for a long time. And, life just sort of went on. Um, in my thirties, I, um, I came into some acceptance that my drinking was really problematic and I got sober mm -hmm. and that was, um, that was a really positive turning point for me. There, there are all kinds of great recovery community and I availed myself to that and, um, you know, made friends and developed a support network but I still, you know, held that, that secret inside of me that I was a lesbian. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Did you, I mean, I know you realized that attraction when you were in that basketball game. Did you like think about it afterwards or was it just totally put away? Because people do put it away. Yeah. I definitely put it away as a teenager. I did think about it like, and increasingly in adulthood, you know, in my thirties, I thought about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always framed it as, you know, I have made my, my choices in life. And, um, and I think that comes from my upbringing, you know, you've made your bed. Now you have to lie in it kind of thing. And, um, that, you know, that I, I did that for a long time. Um, the other thing that happened like shortly after I got sober, so I was thinking about it more. I still wasn't talking about the fact that I was a lesbian, but I was thinking about it thinking about my life, I'd gone back to graduate school. And so there was some momentum towards change. Um, but then my oldest son got diagnosed with cancer at 13. And that took over my life for a number of years. And so anything related to me and like my own growth and emerging as a person just kind of shifted to the side. Mm -hmm. um, and I went on with life. And my kids grew up. Um, I, I had moments, um, along the way that sort of tried to nudge me to live more authentically, but I didn't respond to the nudge, you know, I have two questions. So yeah. I know you identify yourself as a lesbian now, but when you were like having these thoughts, did you use the word lesbian or did you, because a lot of times, as you, you and I both know, a lot of people, when especially when they're coming out later in life, they have a really hard time embracing that word. And you and I are both with longtime lesbians. So you and I are very like we've been bombarded with it. So we're very comfortable with it. Um, how did you think of yourself? Did you think of yourself as a lesbian or did you think I might be gay? What did you what went in your head? Word I think, yeah, I think I use the word gay a lot. <laughs> As I got older, I increasingly thought about the word lesbian. And by the time I came out, I was really excited to use that word. Okay, that's really nice. Yeah. And so what were the clues that you were ignoring? Um, attraction to women. My fantasies are about women. I always had lesbian friends. Like somehow, like I would connect with the coworkers who were her lesbians and we would become friends or um, within my social circle, I would just gra gravitate um, in friendships towards mm -hmm. lesbians. And there wasn't particularly attraction in those. It was just sort of 
this in innate knowing of these are my people in some capacity, you know? Exactly. You, that's very common is that a lot of times, you know, my definition of internalized homophobia, it's like, I don't care if anybody's gay. My friends can be gay. My kids can be gay. I don't care. The only person who can't be gay right. is me. Exactly. Yeah. And so here you are in a, like, you have a lot of lesbian friends around you because you're with your people. Yeah. And you, but it's still not connecting. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I was getting, I was getting increasingly, um, discontent internally. Um, my husband and I had our, our separate hobbies really further and further developed. He was off hiking a lot. He was playing softball and I had my own things. And, um, a lot of times the household was just very quiet and there wasn't necessarily a lot of conflict, um, but there wasn't a lot of depth of emotional connection either. And I, I think what happened for me is just that, um, that internal voice got louder and louder. And, um, you know, some of it was, it was aging. So I, I remember in January, the year that I was 49 years old, I woke up one morning with just this feeling of almost panic and thinking like, okay, I'm going to be 50 later this year. It's time for me to either make the changes in my life that I need to like live fully into myself, or I need to figure out how to put this away and not think about it anymore. And the latter wasn't possible, right? It just wasn't. Um, and so I had, um, a hell of a year, Amory. <laughs> you know, I I began to you know allow myself to to think of myself more as a lesbian. I started talking to my husband of twenty six years at that point about being unhappy and wanting a divorce, and that was super hard for him to hear. And I also I connected with a woman. Yeah. Did you disclose your sexuality to him at that point? Not at first. I was really afraid. You know, I think a lot of women have fears when it comes to divorce, fear of anger and financial insecurity, and that it's going to be hard. And um, I didn't at first. I did eventually, um, but it took me some time. And you know, my, my story is messy as a lot of women's stories are, you know, I'm in the process of talking to him about divorce and, um, you know, he's wanting to work things out. And, um, there was a, a woman who was an acquaintance. Uh, we had known each other like very peripherally for like five years, our professional circles had a tiny bit of overlaps. Our friend circles had a little bit of overlap. I knew her enough to say hi. Mm -hmm. And um, one day we ran into each other and um, just started talking. And she was, she's a lesbian who's been out since her early twenties. And um, we became really fast friends. And um, the, Definitely the um, emotional connection was there so deeply. We both denied to ourselves that there were any feelings other than friendship for a long time. You know, she was aware of the fact that I was married to a man. I hadn't, I didn't tell her at first that I was a lesbian and 
it all, it became untenable eventually. Right. And, um, and so I had this, um, just really tumultuous time of getting a divorce, coming out and beginning a relationship with someone who had been out her entire adult life. And, you know, and I was almost 50 years old, but I was a baby lesbian, you know, coming out in the world to, to be myself and to not, you know, quiet who I am in the world. And then it gets exhausting. I, I think I didn't realize how many people I knew until, you know, you run into each of them individually and have to come out over and over and over again. A lot of times, you know, in the beginning, we're so excited about this. We do come out to everybody and then eventually we're like, okay, I don't want to come out to anybody anymore. And then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of reactions were supportive and some weren't, you know, some friends were like, you know, what's wrong with you? What's happening? You're like, your life was perfect. And it's like, it might have looked that way from the outside. And there were many good things about it, but it also, I was living a life that wasn't mine and I couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, there were friends who stepped back from me. I think it was confusing that I had never talked about it. Um, and some folks were hurt by that. And I had to, I had to let go of any feeling of responsibility for how other people responded. Uh, mm-hmm. to me coming out. And so not only then was I coming out, I was also in a, in a relationship with a woman for the first time in my life. And that was a trip. <laughs> it's like the trifecta of coming out. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like you, you realize you're gay or you're, you know, you're, you're a member of the LGBTQ family. We realize that we are getting divorced and then we're navigating something that we've never navigated before, which is a relationship with a woman. Um, and you and I navigated a relationship with somebody who had been out a while, which is often different than people who have to navigate a relationship with someone who's also in the process of coming out to, it's just different, different things that happen. So what, what was that like for you? It was wonderful and so hard at the same time. I think for both of us, you know, we were in love and we were happy and everything was new to me, like lesbian community is different, you know, and um, I, I didn't know the norms or how things worked and um, the, the depth of emotional connection with her was both fabulous and absolutely terrifying. You know, I, I, one day we were sitting on the couch and we'd been talking and all of a sudden she said, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. And then it's like, oh yeah, like I'm, I am actually having these feelings of just fear in this moment. And I'm not sure why. And that would happen often. There was just such depth of connection that I wasn't familiar with. And well, yes, she saw you. She did. She saw me. And And, and that happened to me as well. Like my, like being uh, like my wife was holding me on my now wife was holding me one night and, you know, a couple, I don't know, a year or two in our relationship or something like that. And she said to me, what's wrong? Like, As someone who was like, wanted to be seen yet was used to not being seen. It was really like, it was very jarring to have someone see me. And then also given where I come from as a child, for someone to care. 
yeah. and want to make it better. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not used to this. Yeah. You know, and it was it was really hard for both of us to sort of like she was so used to being in a relationship with a woman. It was the only thing she had known for, right. you know, she'd been out 35 years. Okay. And so to have somebody who was brand new coming out was really it was she we you know, she just wrote a piece about that. I don't know if you've read it. I read it. Yeah. yeah. Did you give it to your wife by any chance? I did. Yeah. Did say? I was really curious. It resonated, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was the first time she'd ever been in a relationship with someone who was newly yeah. out. And so it would, she was navigating that too. And, you know, she was, um, you know, the coming out process and the divorce at the same time is just so scary and anxiety producing. And I think her response was like, this is great. Being a lesbian is wonderful. And, and so it was hard sometimes that I was having just feelings that were all over the place. I think that was hard for her. Um, you know, we, we did stereotypical lesbian things like move in together right away. And, um, we got married five months after my divorce was final. So we rushed in and, um, I, you know, it's funny because sometimes when I hear people tell their coming out story and it's a little messy, like mine, there's like, I, sometimes there's this verbalization of like, I wish circumstances had been different. I wish it wasn't so messy. I don't want to say that because I'm with my person and I have a lovely life. And I think sometimes we have to walk through really hard things to get there. And, you know, having walked through, um, coming out late in life and that navigating that first relationship, I think has, um, has allowed me the courage to reclaim myself in other ways. You know, I think it, it I, I always say that it's made me fearless. Yeah. Because yeah. I've done like the hardest thing that I, you know, up to this point that I could do and, um, probably facing my own mortality will be the next really super, super hard yeah. thing and or facing the death of somebody I deeply love but it was really really hard and but it was really like it made me unafraid of a lot of things that I used to be say oh I can't do that yeah I'm not able to do that and so that has been the gift of this Mm -hmm. yeah I started writing again and I started writing poetry exclusively um and did things that I never would have done in the past, like submit poetry for publication. And I got a poem accepted right away by a journal. I was like, whoa, and allowed that part of me to really flourish, talk to people about it, which I'd never done before. And I ended up applying to uh, a one-year intensive creative writing program and at a university that you know is like competitive entry you have to like submit poetry and they take a very small number of people and I got in and I'm in that now and I'm like this journey of embracing the creative side of myself and I feel like that um it's a part of my ongoing healing because I think one of the things that I have struggled with is some lingering or sometimes re-emerging feelings of like, oh shit, I spent most of my life in the closet. And there was a cost to that for me. Um, there was a cost in that to my ex-husband, you know, mm-hmm. they're getting to, my kids were 
young adults when we divorced, but it, there was a cost to them too. You know, it changed kind of some perspectives and they had a lot of questions about, you know, their experience and ideas about how things were during their growing up. And there were hard conversations and, you know, it's, I, I am so happy with where my life is today, but there is absolutely a cost to staying in the closet for so long. And, you know, I, I have the opportunity sometimes to talk with other women who are considering coming out. And I just want to say, just don't wait, you know, don't wait. The years go fast. You know, you get caught up in working and raising children and then you're 49 and looking into that abyss of, I spent my life as someone that I'm not. Yes. We, you and I've talked about this before and, and I hear both of us have like expressed regret about not embracing who we were when we were younger. I don't know if I would have, I just knew like, like my marriage to my ex-husband had a lot of problems and which has unrelated to my sexuality and, and staying where I didn't belong, you know, and you've talked about that at some length too. Like we had a, Carla and I were in a group together and most of the women were younger than us and they had little children. And, uh, you know, she said to me, and this is why I asked her to come and talk about this because she said, I wish I had left earlier and it touched my heart so much. And I said, people need to hear this. So can you express a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think for myself, you know, it would have been, um, I think it would have been healthier, you know, I think absolutely um, one factor in my alcoholism was hiding who I am from the world. I often felt isolated because I never showed up as me in friendships. And so there was sort of that emotional toll, that struggle with anxiety and depression over the years. Um, And, and there's, and for my ex-husband too, like I, I, I was a lesbian. I couldn't fully be in a relationship with him in the way that everybody deserves, right? To be happy. And, you know, so that's hard. I, I think about what I modeled for my children, you know, in terms of staying in a relationship that was hard in other ways, but also like in hiding parts of myself. And I don't want to go down the road of, you know, guilt and shame and beating myself up, but there is like, it's a dialectic. Two things can be true at the same time. And you also modeled your children to go towards your joy. Yeah. Even when you're older, you know, and it's not like to me, 49 doesn't feel old at all. So, but, you know, even as you're perceived older, how you perceive yourself, um, your children, you know, receive this model of like, oh my gosh, mom's recreating her life, you know, and she, it's possible to do that no matter when I want to do that. And so that's a model you've given your children as well. So it is that holding two things at once. You know, so I understand that as well. So I'm going to end us now. And so I have three questions for you. Do you have a coming out song, Carla? Um, I don't know if I have a coming out song, but my wife and I have the song, you know, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. And we sing that to each other a lot. 
our wedding song was Lovely Day by Bill Withers. I love that song too. I love, you know, those kinds of old, you know, 70s, 80s songs. Um, do you have a favorite book or movie that really like has touched you deeply? I think the poetry of Mary Oliver has touched me deeply over the years. She has a poem called The Journey that I had printed out on a piece of paper and carried around in my purse for years. And there's a line in it about um, shedding the voices from outside with their bad advice and, and becoming fully yourself in the world. And her poetry, I think, has really was meaningful for me while I was struggling. It gave me hope and it has a lot of meaning for me now that I'm, you know, at a completely different place in that journey. Well, and she was a lesbian. Yep. <laughs> her, it's so interesting because her journey, her poetry has always spoken to me as yeah. well. I'm not good at titles, um, like you are, but the one that I like is what are you going to do with your one wild and precious? I think that's the summer day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's on my tagline underneath my signature on my emails. Um, uh, just her, her poetry really speaks to me deeply and her, her appreciation of nature and, and how it is brought into all of her poetry. Um, how is your life now? My life is fabulous. Uh, my wife and I just have this wonderful relationship. We're true partners. There is a depth of connection. I have such greater ease with myself. You know, I'm okay being me in the world. And that feels really good. I'm more willing to be vulnerable and let people know me. The idea of talking on a podcast, historically, no way. <laughs> I don't want to be known. I don't want to be seen. But that's changed, you know. And, mm -hmm. and I see how being vulnerable and being seen is good for me. And it's also good for others who are, you know, maybe struggling with that or at an earlier place in their journey. Yes. Others, I mean, so many different types of women can really appreciate your story. You have been articulate and wonderful and I am so glad that you gave me this hour today to talk to you um, I think that your story is going to help so many people Carla you really you framed it so nicely and I really appreciate your time today so thank you so much thank you it was my pleasure